They're not that different from you, are they? Same haircuts, full of hormones, just like you. Invincible, just like you feel. The world is their oyster. They believe they're destined for great things, just like many of you. Their eyes are full of hope, just like you. Did they wait until it was too late to make from their lives even one iota of what they were capable? Because you see, gentlemen, these boys are now fertilizing daffodils. But if you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in, listen, you hear it? Carpe. Hear it? Carpe. Carpe. DM. Seize the day, boys. Make your lives extraordinary. She hoped to bang her college lip professor until she ran into him at a gay bar. Oh, Captain, my captain, it's Elizabeth Gomez. She's sounding her barbaric, whop, yop. <laughs> what is it, do you know? It's yop. 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 <laughs> All over Evanston, it's Adrian Gunn. Hey, and this is Wokefield, where two middle-aged comedians grapple with the unbearable white maleness of dead poets' society, while also sort of being touched as hell by the beauty of these young boys and their poems. Each week we watch a classic movie from the 80s or 90s and talk about how having all your best friends be fictional really fucks up your ideas about being a person. It's not great. But today we're talking about Dead Poets Society, which was released in 1989 and won a BAFTA for Best Film and an Oscar for Best Screenplay and most importantly features a young Ethan Hawke. It's a teen drama about conformity versus creativity, about beauty versus practicality, and about the poems of many, 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 many long dead white guys. And also, we'd like to make a note, probably about this podcast and many of the podcasts we've done and will be doing, which is we're giving you guys a trigger warning. In this particular podcast, we are going to be discussing suicide. Yes, it's a part of the movie. So if you're not into it, just turn this off. You're done. Go to the next episode. <laughs> um, but for a movie this white and this male, we knew we'd need to bring in an expert mansplainer to make sure we understood it all. Where could we find such a man? In fact, in bed right next to Elizabeth. That's right. Today's guest <laughs> is James Beard Award winner, Chicago reader, food critic, and Elizabeth's husband, Mike Sula. Mike's going to help us talk about the creative life, the feelings of white men, because we all really care, <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not he's uh, as consumed with death as Mr. Keating is. Oh, my God. We have so much to talk about that's really all about white men and their feelings. I mean, if we didn't hear enough about their feelings, you know, right now they feel like they're uh, being attacked by all of society. Well, you know what? And I think... We should try to be as generous as possible because this can't be a whole podcast where we're like, white men are not allowed to have feelings. No, we have to worry about my husband's feelings. Exactly. Make sure that he's okay. Exactly. And that he's protected throughout this whole It's got to be a safe space. So let's start with the school. Where are we starting yeah. off at? Oh my God, we're at Welton. It's some, I assume this is the East Coast. It feels like it the has East to be. Coast. It's an all-male boarding school. I got to say, my favorite thing, it opens with, you know what white privileged people love? <laughs> A fucking <laughs> ceremony. And banners. And bagpipes, bitch. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, they're in like a church, but it's not necessary. You know, it feels sort of Episcopalian, like a little bit detached from like a full Catholicism moment. Well, except when they start lighting candles. 
Well, yeah. Then I was like, oh, no, this is Catholic. Listen, the Delta Zetas like candles in their ceremonies as well. Many (laughs) traditions... Like candles. But anyway, we open up. It's the first day of the new year at Welton. It's an all-male boarding school. And we're going to follow a group of boys. And then their very exciting, excited teacher, Robin Williams, Mr. Keating. Did you notice that on our way to the Lincoln Lodge today, there is a huge Robin Williams mural right across the street yes we should take a picture of it for our for our listeners so they can see it on our instagram yeah as if they didn't know what robin williams looked like yeah but it's nice <laughs> and you know what this was peak robin williams this was peak robin williams it really was like the beginning of his uh like uh epic part of his career yeah and i loved him in it he was adorable so anyway we're following these kids they are in this private school everything and what are their names let's okay so uh, ethan, ethan hawks neil no no i'll guys. do it okay. i'll do it <laughs> Ethan Hawke is Todd. He's our shy one who's like very insecure. Then we have Sean Patrick Leonard, who is Neil, and he's our artsy one. And he's sort of like a leader, but in a kind way. Right. And then we have Josh Charles, who is Knox, who's like the go-getter. Yes. And then we have Charlie. Yeah. Um, Charlie is also kind of, he's like the bad boy of the school. He's played by no one we know, so it's hard to care. You know, actually, (laughs) I looked at this Wikipedia for this movie, and they were saying that he won um drag race in 2011 and i could not find anything what? else backing it up i don't believe it i don't believe it that but does not make he sense. does have a pretty enough face to be a woman i think maybe but you know like where was brendan frazier you know what i mean <laughs> where was Corey Haim? where was the other Corey? like you know well, probably dead well okay <laughs> At any rate, so we're going to follow these boys. They're under, you know, the hard rule of these old white men who are, like, making sure they go to bed on time and, like, making sure they're doing their trigonometry. And it's very intense. And And the the great word for those guys are stodgy, right? Like, that word really epitomizes what kind of men these guys are. Yes. Yeah, and then they they are – the kids are are basically studying all the time. And really, that's what the movie is. It's, like, white old men teaching young white men to, like, learn about – old dead white men and to go to the ivy league this is a feeder school that's very important you learn that at the very beginning 75 percent of their graduates go to the ivy league yes and so uh the boys all are you know they're all good friends and they start to go to school and when they go to school their one of their first classes is the one with uh, mr keating yeah and mr keating is like i'm an unconventional teacher yeah he's brand new so he's he's new this year but he graduated from this school so he also knows it. he's got a history but immediately he starts telling them to rip the pages out of their books yes and climb on these desks because you are no lemming but actually by climbing on the desk and then jumping off you are a lemming yes but you know he gets on the desk and it's like look it's a new way of seeing and they're like wow our teacher's on the desk (laughs) you know their minds are blown they go outside how could this happen at the school yeah they go outside to learn a lesson they're like reading lines from poems and kicking soccer balls 100 and rowing yeah lots of lots of rowing um and then the kids like discover that mr keating because he was at that school before they look up his old annual yeah his yearbook and they're like whoa mr keating was part of the dead poets society yeah they're like mr keating what is that they get super excited to hear about it and i'll tell you what nobody is more enthusiastic about a poem than mr fucking keating (laughs) he's like the dead poets used to go to a cave and we would read poems they would drip from our lips like honey i was like i don't know he was like he was like not only did we read the poem of dead white guys but we also read our own verses yes of other (laughs) current white guys (laughs) 
But you know what? I was like, Mr. Keating, calm down. I don't know. Robin Williams was selling it. Like, I was just sort of feeling it in my but heart. But you also have said on these podcasts more times than not that you love a white man in khakis. <laughs> That is 100% accurate. And I also love a white man like giving a monologue on a movie. In real life, I think it would be a little bit harder. I'd be like, the honey, like calm down. (laughs) Anyway, the boys are like, we're going to have our own dead poet society. Because you know, they have been chained. Their hearts have been chained. Because now they know they can think on their own. Right, because that's his thing. He's like, like, be yourself, live your life. Yeah, experience life the way that it is. So these kids all gather in a place called Indian Cave, which I'm not sure that I'm so comfortable with. You know what? I just <laughs> want to point out, like I texted you, it took a full hour before it got rapey and before it got racist. It was very good uh, that, that it took so long to do that. Yes. So they're in this cave and they basically meet in the cave and they're always telling these poems and they're doing some things that are slightly racist and slightly, slightly misogynistic. But overall, we're going to give it an okay rating for the for, for the film. It's the Not lowest, a cancel moment. It is the lowest. Shockingly, it's an all-male cast. It's all white people and it is the lowest racism and misogyny and you know rapey stuff we've seen yes absolutely it's really surprising after a few few movies we've done so um we'll get to the highlights of the film basically what happens is that at some point um charlie the the rebel of them all is like i'm gonna put in the the newspaper that uh Girls should be accepted in the school. Yeah, he <gasps> writes an editorial, but he signs it from the Dead Poets Society. And they're like, wait, what? What right. did you do? And all these all these men are like, oh, no, we can't let women like learn to read. No. <laughs> God forbid not they, here. they come into our Ivy League yeah. schools. No, this is so a theater. So they're scandalized and... Um, Charlie gets pulled into the to the principal's office. And I think this is a really intense and great it's scene. It's a headmaster, Elizabeth. <laughs> Yes, you're correct. And so uh, he's like, hey, Charlie, you got to tell me what this dead poet society thing is. And all we know is that he doesn't say anything and he gets spanked by the headmaster. He doesn't. He gets paddled. Yeah, it's full on. Flipped over the desk. Yeah. Like, I'm going to spank you like a child. Yes. And he takes it because you know what? He is not going to rat out his friends. No, he's no snitch. He's no snitch. It's a fink. (laughs) Yeah. And so also going on at some point, Neil has been so inspired by Keating. He's like, I'm going to try out for this community theater play like in the little town. He tries out and not only does he try out, but he gets the part of Puck in Midsummer's Madness. In Midsummer's Dream. Dream. I knew it was either Dream (laughs) or Madness. Look at Mike Sula already. He's already judging. He was about to tell us what it was. Wow. So anyway. But he did a good job about keeping it He did. He did. He smirked. (laughs) Anyway, Neil's father is so pissed that Neil would waste time with anything artsy. So things are starting to unravel because the boys are trying to have their own ideas. But society is coming and like lock it up. Right. And then there's a kid who's like had a crush on a girl, which actually that part of the story is not that interesting. It really doesn't show you anything. That's Josh Charles with his nose. It's just like the one second of like romance that's in the show. He stalks her basically, but it's sort of a light stalking. It's not nearly as bad as we've seen in other things. No, it's just when she gets drunk and passes out, he tries to kiss her face. Like, I don't don't know. That was the one rapey (laughs) moment, but then he gets his ass kicked for it. Yes. And then, of course, the girl turns around and goes, oh, no, you like almost try to like make out with me while I was drunk. And now I'm in love with you. It was really weird. That's yeah. a really weird part Again, of the story. We can let's just skip that. <laughs> well, Ethan Hawke and then the, Ethan Hawke, who is super, super hot and, and adorable, which makes me feel weird because yeah. he was a teenager in the film. Yeah, but, but he's, he's like gorgeous. our age now. It's right? Fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he uh, he's just going through this whole thing where 
he is is questioning his relationship with his parents yeah. because his parents obviously do not care about him at all. Yeah. Um, and why that's important to bring him up is because he really has the most solid relationship with Neil. Yes, because Neil's his roommate. And also he has a very solid relationship with Keating because Ethan Hawke slash Todd can't find his voice. He's very nervous. He's very scared. But then Mr. Keating gets him up and like in some sort of like improv poem moment has Ethan Hawke like spouting verse. And it's like I had a tear. You texted me and said, I think I might cry in this scene. I don't know. Ethan And Hawk, I was like, girl, get it together. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of my own kid. Just like, you know, too scared to say anything in public. And then, you know, like Mr. Keating brought it. And I all I kept thinking was the energy it would have taken to be Mr. Keating. Who could care about anything this much? I also, <laughs> I also thought about your son and my kid. Yeah. And I was like, you know what they would say? They would say that this is traumatic to them, that they were not like, like forcing them up front That's true. in front of everyone That's else true. created a childhood memory that yes. they will never get over. That's true. And it's our fault because we sent them to the school. That is true. And this true. is why I hate children. Well, it's true. Anyway, so let's wrap it up. So basically the big moment is Neil's in the play. His father shows up at the play that Neil is not supposed to be in. His father has like some sort of like, it seems like maybe he's supportive of the play in the moment, but then he loses his shit and tells Neil, he Neil clearly has like lost all regard for his father's discipline. So Neil's going to military school, then he's going to Harvard, and then he's going to medical school. And Neil does not take this message at all very well. No. And then we go into the most masturbatory scene I have ever seen, Mm -hmm. which is where Neil is so broken that he's in his room. He opens his windows. He takes off his shirt. He picks up his prop. A twig head, like headdress. It's like a crown of twigs from the play. Puts it on his head. Yes. The camera pulls back while he's standing in the window. And this is clearly a moment where the director of the film was like, yes, he looks like Jesus. Yeah. And this is going to make the world. He walks down the stairs. Yes. Backlit. Just a silhouette. Finds a key. Opens the drawer of his dad's desk. It's a gun. <laughs> Anyway, Neil kills himself because obviously you should die if you can't have any freedom. That's sort of like the vibe of the movie, right? It's all about like independence, free thinking versus like, you know, conformity. None of that. Yeah. And then Charlie comes. You see Charlie crying. He goes to Ethan Hawke, which I can't even remember his name. But he's like, oh, my God, Neil is dead. Ethan Hawke runs into the snow in his robe, just crying and like whining. And it was and then all his friends are coming after him. And they're like, Neil, you're going to or. Ethan Hawke, you're going to be fine. And then Ethan Hawke just runs off where um, one of the guys pulls back everyone else and is like, let "Let him him be, be. let him go. (laughs) Let him feel his feelings. It's it's time to let him deal with this. Yes. Um, So then, of course, nobody can be responsible for Neil's suicide except for Mr. Keating because Mr. Keating told Neil to think for himself. Mr. Keating is fired, and then he's it, fired also because all the kids turn on him. They have to turn on him because all his par- all their parents have been called into the office. Yeah, the the, the the headmaster is saying, "Hey, look, Mr. Keating, if he didn't teach your kids to be these free thinking hippies, yes. then they would have never had the suicide yes. situation. And so we're going to force all the kids to sign a document yes. saying that they're going to basically like 
stab Mr. Keating in the back. Yeah, so they're forced to betray him. And so the final scene. The biggest Probably one. one of the most famous ones. So the kids are Iconic. in English. They have their old white man teacher back. And he's like, we're going to, you know, make equations about poems. And burp, burp, burp. and they're all like, oh, it's very sad. And Robin Williams and shows up. And where's your pages up, in your book? Yeah, Robin Williams <laughs> shows up to, like, get his shit. And it's like. <laughs> During pre- class, does right, he know like, the schedule? I mean, presumably it's he could have already questions. done this. Like, this is a moment where you just have to go with the movie magic. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you've taught this class this whole time. You right. know classes. <laughs> right but so he he comes he walks slowly into the room he walks into his little back office to retrieve his personal items he comes back out you know and Ethan Hawke's just like losing it his face he's crumpled he knows he must do something yes so then he's like I got you Mr. Keating yeah I'm gonna stand on my desk yeah well first he says Mr. Keating they made us sign this letter and Mr. Keating's like I know they did and I thought it was very beautiful <laughs> like <laughs> touched <laughs> listen that scene crushed me as a teenager we'll talk about it a little bit later but then the best everyone knows this i get every listener who's listening right now knows that everyone stands on the desk they look back at mr keating and they go captain oh captain my captain and then all the students behind them uh, behind ethan hawk get up on their desk and yes. say the same thing yes everyone's they crying. pledge their allegiance and mr keating looks at the boys his eyes are watering and the film basically ends well, yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. They're like, we know you. what what he taught them. They can never lose. They lost Neil, but you I, know what the rest of them. <laughs> I've got so many things that I re- actually, you know, when I started watching it at first, I was like, this movie is, is, is probably one of the better movies we've seen during our yeah, season so far. it's a great movie. But I also was like, wow, nothing really happens for the first hour. <laughs> Well, a lot of happens. They're just opening their minds. Up. Listen, let's bring in Mike, because I think we need to know from Mike, like, what is the role for movies in 2022 that are all about white men? How do you feel about it? Can I, can I just first say <clears throat> that it took all my strength <laughs> not to jump in on your recap? Yeah, I'm so. not surprised, but thank, good job. You're welcome. <laughs> welcome, Mike. It is welcome, my pleasure Mike. to serve. You're, you're, you're truly a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like this movie made me that way, and I only saw it for the first time two nights ago. Is that true? Yeah, I never saw it. Because I would have thought when we booked you for this, we're like, this is probably a really formative movie for Mike. <laughs> well, can I tell you when I like when I was nineteen when this movie came out? Nineteen-year-old fiction major Mike was probably like, Ugh, poetry, make me a movie about nonlinear postmodernist experimental fiction. Make me a movie about William S. Burroughs, and you know what? Two years later, they did. I got what I wanted. <laughs> I got what I asked for. Which movie? Oh, Naked Lunch. Naked Lunch, yeah. yeah. That was a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Why aren't we talking? Can we talk about Naked Lunch instead? No. no. We're, We're talking about Dead Poet Society. Why don't you give us your thoughts on it since we didn't let you participate in the recap? Well, I will say, like, I, I, I think I, I went into it with that exact same 19-year-old like, fiction major mindset, and I had really low expectations. But then, you know, on the other hand, what really did speak to me is that I mean this as you know this this movie offers young white men exactly (laughs) what they need is they they need they need a hero they need someone to shake them out of you know the the idea that their um their dull uh future is is uh not escapable they need someone to um to shake them out of that they need to be reminded that their future could be being an old white man yeah 
that I you can know. you can kiss the drunk girl if you want. <laughs> seize, seize the day. I remember. So when I was when in my MFA, my thesis advisor was this um, really like relatively famous like black author. His name is David Bradley, and I remember he used to say in workshop he would anything like about a story like this about white men or whatever. He would be like, I don't know. I just always think like all you can do is about be president. What the fuck is wrong with you? And <laughs> so it took me a long time to like kind of understand what he was saying, which was like basically like white men have all these privileges. So like, why are we concerned about like, like get your shit together. Why are you depressed? Like go to the Ivy league. <laughs> like it's all fucking here, you know? But then I think there's also like, it's, to me, it is actually valid. Like, you know, I felt for Neil and I felt for Todd. Like, I was like, yeah, conformity kind of sucks. But then also a creative life sucks. What did you think about the teacher, Mr. Keating? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was I was prepared to loathe him. But, you know, I mean, he, as I said, he 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 offers this thing that everybody I think is looking for when they leave, uh, you know, the stultifying world of their home life with their parents is like this this is the guy that everybody's looking for that's going to yes. teach them how to how to live yes how to how to get what they really want how to tap into their inner uh you know their inner artist wait why were you prepared to loathe him then just because i i just have this general idea of like robin williams movies as like schmaltzy like from here on out like almost through the rest of his career not uh-huh. not a, not all of them but you know a lot of them and not that you just like them either, right? Like some yeah. of they're, they're, he's always a fun guy to watch. Sure. I think the one thing about Mr. Keating that I could not get my head around is actually how, it, like his hero complex was bugging me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to be clear that I love this movie. I think it's a great movie. I have a lot of fun watching it. Um, I definitely was pushed back to like my life as a teenager at the time because I would have been probably about 15 or 16 when it came out so it's like cute boys poetry a school I'll never be able to attend yeah you know I was like everything that I was like kind of imagining life could be if I wasn't who I was um but I found Mr. Keating like it's hard because I don't know I didn't really understand a lot of like his depth and where it came from I was interested in his background but I also was like god I hate like how he's He's being a teacher, which is great, but he's also doing this thing where he's like, I'm going to be the teacher that changes your life. So it's very like self-motivating. Yeah, but a lot of teachers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, like that's a lot of teachers vibe is that they're like, we're changing lives, we're changing the world. I mean, and I think also like generally in movies, especially of this time, right, there's a a trope of like a magical figure comes in yeah and like there's all these regular people and the magical figure changes their life and we don't really need to know too much about him or what he's motivated by because that it's beside the point we just need to know how he's affecting these people i needed that prequel about what happened at uh croydon or the the english school that he was teaching at like yeah did he get kicked out of there too how many students died at That's the mind of a journalist, everyone. Subversive (laughs) teaching methods. Wait, let me ask you guys a question, though. Were you, like, when you watched this movie, did you feel inspired at parts? Absolutely not. But I also will say that the reason I I didn't is because I've already seen it. Again, it's... What's interesting about this journey we're going on with these movies is the way that I felt as a teenager versus the way I feel as an adult, Yeah, right? Like, if I were in a situation currently as an adult where my teacher is like, get up on this desk, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Like, I wouldn't be interested in, like, 
this theater, right? I want to be interested in the substantial thing. And I also think this is very, very, very true. And maybe the source of how much I love a dramatic man. You know, like when when I was growing up, I loved a guy who was just like big and, and like wild and really not very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Mr. Keating never really teaches them anything. Like it seems like in I the classes. I fully disagree with that. Mike, were you inspired? No, but wow, you heartless, <laughs> heartless people. Go ahead, I mean, Mike. maybe, 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 I, maybe when I was nineteen, I would have been because I, you know, when I was nineteen, I was, I think, I was looking for that magical figure. When I was maybe the age of these kids, like a little bit years, years before that, I was not maybe um, putting poems on that um, that on that graph, but I definitely was diagramming sentences, which is. <laughs> which sucks all the life out of the English language, but I was damn good at it. Um, so I do, you know, I do think I was looking for that. I was looking for that magical figure to, you know, shake me and show me what, what was possible. I never got it. Uh, and so I'm bitter. And uh, that's why I do not find him inspiring. I mean, I would say like all of his messages are like very romantic. They're very, okay, Here, here we go. We don't read and write poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race. And the human race is filled with passion and medicine, law, business, engineering. These are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. Are you saying you guys don't believe that? I kind of. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> I sure. mean, Mike, you are a food writer. <laughs> well, I mean, so... As I said, I was a fiction major, and I thought I, I, could, I could go on with that, and I, I applied to several MFA programs, yours included, <laughs> and I was rejected by all of them, and that put an end to my fiction writing career. I mean, I realized I could, I could you know, I found lots of fulfillment writing, becoming a journalist, um, but, you know, um, that dream died. I'm just saying, none of us are lawyers, business people, engineers. Like, we are, all three of us are people, like, searching for a creative life. And, like, we must believe that that is true, that that, that, that sort of stuff, love, beauty, creativity, is what makes meaning. I definitely think that you are right when you say that. And when I think back, again, about the differences between being – and this, again, this movie, for me, out of all the movies we've done, really hit me hard as, like – remembering who I was as a young person. Tell us. And when I was younger, there was definitely like this idea of like dreams, right? Like I always had this like very romantic idea of dreaming and becoming a writer or an actress, you know, I think which is probably pretty typical for most teenagers because those are kind of the things that are given to you. Um, and then this movie like really, really uh, pushes that whole idea of like freedom and like yeah. wild times. Uh but I think as an older person, it's harder for me to see that. And I think we texted about it, which, which is uh, about like the idea of like, how do you keep that magical feeling? Yeah. And I think I do now, but it's just different. It's not the same kind of uh, naivety that was, was start, I started with. There's not like this feeling of like um, wide-eyedness without thinking like, I don't know. You know, like there's not, yeah. it's not without doubt. And it's not without uh repercussion like a lot of times there's these big moments you have with these things and then the truth is is that 
you do these big gestures and sometimes you fall flat on your face. Sometimes it, the door closes. Some, you know, there's a little bit more scarring than yeah. it would have been when I was a teenager. Yeah. This leads me to my favorite line of the film, which is one of the other like stodgy professors says to Robin Williams, Mr. Keating, you take a big risk by encouraging them to be artists, John, when they realize they're not Rembrandt's Shakespeare or Mozart's they'll hate you for it. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. I was like bowled over because, right? I mean, that's sort of like what you're talking yeah. about because he's like, his whole vibe is like, you know, get, get out there. You're living your own life. You're like an iconoclast. You're going to be artists. But then like, it really doesn't work out for that many people. <laughs> I mean, I think that, that uh, one of the things I, I that w- was striking for me about this kind of big inspirational teacher is even when he quotes Robert Frost because mm-hmm. um, I remember that was like a big canon like poem that you like intro to poetry when you're in high school so you learn yeah. about it really early but my memory of that and correct me if I'm wrong my memory of that whole poem actually isn't about like picking the the, the road less, less traveled because it's going to be like great and your whole world is going to be different because you're not part of the, the the masses but it's actually about like regretting and not sure exactly ever whether or not which road was correct. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole like indecisiveness. Cause I think, I think Robert Frost had written it for a friend. I don't know. Or something, I, but- I don't have this poetry <laughs> deep dive. <laughs> do, you, that, do you know? Yeah. That, I mean, I, well, had of course a, he I had a different read on it. I, I, uh, uh, that poem scared the hell out of me. I thought he was going to be like eaten by a bear or something. <laughs> <laughs> Very literal over there. I mean, long poem like it's pretty short I'll post it on our Instagram everyone <laughs> well, can tell us their deep reads I th- well I think that my whole point is is that again it's, it feels very misleading it feels like he's making these stories about something that's not really the actual life he's living or understanding right because he's being kicked Who, out Keating? Of- yes exactly um and I think that that's always like where I get where sometimes I as an adult, not as a child, but as an adult, I get stuck on these stories when we're watching them on television versus when I was younger and I was like, oh, this could possibly be real. This could be a true story. This could be like my life, even though um, I'm not a dude or going to an Ivy League school. <laughs> but it was like, I could love one of those guys. And I kind of do, except that he didn't go to an Ivy League school either. <laughs> No. Mike, are you feelings hurt that you're not a, f- a fictional writer? No, no, not at all. In fact, I, I, um, you know, once I, once I let that go, it was a, a tremendous relief. Yeah, because I felt, you know, I, 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 I got a little bit of of what I wanted. I got like a certain amount of fulfillment that I can live with. I feel like the work I do is is creative, and um, you know, of course, my dreams were crushed as everybody's are. But like, you know, it's it's. It, it, you take the good with the bad. Yeah, but I mean, in a lot of ways, like to me, you're living the dream, right? Because you're like getting to do things that you find creatively interesting. You're also compensated for those things. And you get to like, you're not an engineer, right? Nothing wrong with being an engineer, right? As as Keating points out, like there's nothing wrong with it. But like if you're a person who's called to live some sort of creative life, it's actually I mean, I think why I read that other quote was I think it's like it's sort of dangerous to encourage people to do it if you're not at a certain level of privilege, right? (laughs) I mean, that's the real question. Like, who gets to be artists? Because, like, I'm a single parent of, you know, a child, and I have to have a job. Right. You know, unfortunately, it it bums me out. You know, um, not too long ago, I was on an artist retreat 
uh, with a with a friend of ours, and um, we were talking about how the the people who were there for the retreat were um, mostly white folks, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Yeah, I don't know why there's not much more diversity here." And I was like, "Because people of immigrant children don't get a dream like that, right?" Yeah. Like even Dennis Lee the other day said, like his his mom never dreams like that, or he he can't imagine his parents ever wanting to be satisfied or even have any kind of joy from any kind of creative arts. Um, I don't remember my mom being like that at all. all. Like, I don't even remember her like enjoying, but a couple of songs on the radio. Like, yeah. Um, where do you think that you, you got that feeling because your parent that I know of (laughs) is definitely not someone who enjoys anything. (laughs) Wait, Mike said didn't encourage Mike to be an artist. I don't, I I highly doubt it. He didn't, he didn't try to stop me. Um, I didn't have to go into his desk and get his revolver. But, uh, no, because your dad, your dad hit you with a, a paddle. We can get to the paddling later. I mean, I've got, I, I have lots to say about that. Uh, well, no, I mean, I wouldn't say uh, that parent encouraged me, but the other one did. Um, and I wasn't, they didn't try to stop me. Um, there was a lot of shade thrown. Um, so I was very lucky in that way. I mean, I, I was, nobody put the brakes on what I, what I wanted to do. What did your mom say? I mean, like, what was it when you when you told them all that you're going to be a writer? Uh, I don't think I ever announced that. I just said I'm an English major, and and I think they, I think you know, I also I I, I the benefit like um, you know my brother um, my brother <laughs> tried to be an engineer and he spent six years as an undergrad, so I think I was I did really well. And I think they, were, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, all right, let him let him go. He's going to get out. <laughs> don't you think they probably thought you were just going to be a teacher? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they thought. But when I said I would, when I, you know, when I announced that I was moving to Chicago, I'll never forget my dad said, what do you think you're going to do? Write the great American novel? <laughs> you were like, I hope. <laughs> I, just, I gave him the <laughs> I mean, if you had had Mr. Keating, you might have tried. I, that's what I'm saying. I would have, I think I would have done a lot better. Yeah. Are you jealous that Adrian made it to the MFA that you did not? <laughs> I mean, sounds like I dodged a bullet. <laughs> That's definitely true, but this is also in all our years knowing each other, the first time I've heard this information. I thought uh, I thought we had a discussion about this. You never told me about your jealousy of my success. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I know someone else. Uh, I one of my colleagues also went through that program. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. We can talk about that later. Yeah, let's connect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the thing Adrian is Adrian using white man language. Yeah, let's circle back, Mike. Um, I think. One thing I love about this movie is I love existing in this space where like reality sort of doesn't matter, right? It's all like in these romantic ideas like carpe diem, you're in charge of your own life, be extraordinary, make art, like all this stuff. And it's like Keating leaves out like all the real shit about life. Like, well, your mom might get sick and you might have to go home and help her. Or like, (laughs) you might accidentally get knocked up and then your whole shit's derailed. Or like, you, like he leaves out how much people have to give up to live an artistic or even like an extraordinary life. Like if you're a person just traveling around the world, right? Like he leaves out all the hardship that that comes with that and the poets he loves are people who are like really privileged and able to like sit at Walden Pond like that dude (laughs) sat at Walden Pond and his mom made him a sandwich every day and brought it to him I uh really was struck in the film about how everyone's problems during Dead Poet Society are so small yeah like be having a dad who's like mad at you because you're in a play 
having a crush on a girl, yeah. you know, trying to trying to find who you are as a person. Those things are were to me like um I just kept thinking like, wow, those were simpler problems, right? Before I became an adult. And it also really was moving to me in remembering a little Elizabeth, like teenage mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Like even though I was in this background of this kind of chaos and being ignored, it was like exactly what we've been talking about. It's, it's, this was my escape. Yeah. This was a world that I could live in, and, like, my problems were so tiny. My problems would be, like, fighting with my mom, because I actually got a part in the play. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, that, you know, some boy would, like, try to kiss me while I was drunk at a party. Like, it was just, like, those things to me felt so, um, so real at the time, you know? And then to think about, like, when you are now an adult and you look back and you're like, gosh, if I could only have those those small problems again right just then, finding myself right. who am I <laughs> and then that would give you that gives you so much room in your brain to be able to be creative mm-hmm. to be able to take risks because you don't know exactly what's going to happen at the end of that where I think now it's harder for me to watch the movie because I feel like I, I almost feel jealous yes you know I feel jealous that these kids are like getting this great education and they have these parents who show up for them and then you know that they have this this moment where they can just like they're just about to start their lives yeah you know I mean until it's over one one of the things I think the screenplay is not great with is that these kids actually I mean they actually made bad decisions based on, on their you know kissing the drunk girl that's that's not right. It was just her forehead, wasn't it? I think it was just well, her forehead. He got, he got thumped, deservedly so, but yeah. I mean, the jocks, the jocks suck, right? But I mean, they, they, weren't, wrong. they weren't wrong. Um, you know, and, and the big the big lesson about like, you really need to think things through is, is you know, this guy like hold the, holding up the telephone and saying, God's on the phone for you, Mr. Nolan. I mean, that's, that's so what? That's cool, that's all right. That wasn't the worst thing you could have done. Kissing the girl, killing yourself. You know, bad decisions. Do you remember what it was like to be that age? To to be when I was diagramming sentences. Yeah, like when you're like, yeah, uh, when you're like on the cusp of going to college, and I you're was like, a, I have these big dreams of being a fictional writer. Like, what's going to happen to me next? What does that look like for you? Like, take us back there. Oh, I was a way bigger mess than any of these kids for sure. Um, I was just as pimply and like awkward and like. <laughs> Unattractive. As Ethan Hawke is not well, unattractive. I wanted. Or to, that's one of, one thing I wanted to jump in with. Like, like that's the only attractive looking kid in this movie. <laughs> the rest of them. The rest oh, of them. Josh cute. Charles. Yeah, he's good. I think he's cute. And I think um, Sean Patrick Leonard is cute. Yeah. Neil. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you can explain to us though why we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which part? <laughs> I lost track. <laughs> uh, as a as a white dude, did you were you struck at how many white dudes you were looking at? I, <laughs> so I counted I counted four women total in the film and one extra of color, and that's it. It was all and all the women are moms or love interest yes. or one love interest or you know or like bimbos the two the two girls that come in they they bring into the cave. Oh, which right. yeah. the cave. also like yeah, a very yeah. like a, a fraught a fraught scene like what's what's gonna happen what's gonna happen to those girls in the cave surrounded by boys yeah I think 
I, I think that's why, to me, this movie can be, like, really interesting in a 2022 lens, right? Because, like, we're so woke now. We're so, like, our eyes are so open to all these things. Like, the women are only moms or, or you know, maybe floozies in the caves or love interests. And, like, that's a bummer. But... I don't know. There's still something for some reason I feel like it's okay that this story is about these boys. I think that's okay. It's just surprising to create a world where there's no women, right? Yeah. Like there's well, it's not an all boys boarding school. Correct, but even in an all boys boarding school there's there's female educators. There's also like well, women who is, work in the office. This is also <laughs> like 1950. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's it's striking to me that there's that they were able to erase so many other people or yeah. even just fine if it's all boys but there's no boys of color there's not one boy of color but it's 1950 like of course it's there's no boy i mean it, it guess i'm saying it's like it's reflecting what was actually true like yeah they were not well yeah because there's gatekeepers and stuff yeah, yeah they were not true. having like you know people of color in this elite east coast boarding school it was it was hard to swallow i i was just trying to tick off movies that are in the 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 male boarding school genre yeah um you know like what's the al pacino movie um smells like a woman or whatever Scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. I mean, there's Pink Floyd, The Wall. Um, I mean, there are, ton there are tons of them. It's not. It's not like a. Um, first of all, I mean, another thing I didn't know about are this you, movie are is you that defending an all white boy situation. No, I'm just saying it's a, it is a thing. It's a thing that's out there. You know, it's a reality. Uh, yeah, or was. Yeah, hopefully. they all take place that. in Hogwarts. And <laughs> I guess I'm saying, like, you know, I'm all about like the wokeness of 2022. I'm all about like, let's lift up the voices of people of color, of people of different genders and sexualities. Like, this is great. But I'm also not sure, and this is strange for me to say, as you know, like resident, like low opinion of men gal, that like we need to erase this story of these boys as well. I, I think that it is true what you're saying. I, I'm not going to disagree with it. But I also think about like, okay, let's let's flip the script a little bit. In that, you know, the scene where they're doing the Congo, the Congo poem where they start playing the bongos. Mm -hmm. You mean the rap scene? Well, yeah. yeah like it's like rapping poems. Right. They're like, so and you guys weren't inspired by this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene was to me um, – very interesting in terms of like this perpetuate this perpetuating uh, movement of whiteness, right? Yeah. So that poem that they're doing there, and I, I looked that up this up after watching the film, is it's a poem called uh, "The Congo," and it is written by a white guy, and it's actually the name the full name of it was um, "The Congo: The Study of the Negro Race." Mm -hmm. Oh man! Yeah. Who, who wrote it? Uh, something Vachel Lindsay. Anyways, he ends up committing suicide, by the way, the poet does. As any good poet does. <laughs> but his it's whole thing. the only thing, way to go. It, his whole thing, you know, was actually, if you, and I, then I read the poem and I was horrified. I don't even want to repeat it. Uh, but I was like, this is this is like a glamorization. Right? Yeah, This is course. kind of a glamorization of racism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like very hard to feel good about watching something like that. Yeah. And, but it does give you a lot of clarity of how this like, I, these ideas just go on and on and on and on. I totally agree. I mean, I'm not into that at all. I think it's more that I'm just thinking about, like, I'm raising a white boy, right? He's 12. And I but he's think, bi. Well, <laughs> he, last I heard, he he's now completely gay. Okay. So I'm just saying, like, I, I think 
when I really stop and think about it, I'm like, he has the right to ask all these questions, you know, and to like search for beauty and, and dream and like ask, you know, and look for all this stuff. As all people of color and like gender, like everyone should get Yes, to. absolutely. And I think self journeys, like self reflection and journey is always great. Yeah, I think the problem is, is that we've given that, um, that privilege to white men exclusively for a very long time. Right. So there's some level that it just feels like, you know, fuck these boys and this is ridiculous. There's no women, there's no people of color, whatever. But, you know, it's reflective of its time. Obviously, I'm not into like the glamorization of a racist <laughs> poem. Like, <laughs> that's not great. But I do think it, there's a question about like what space are we leaving white men at this point? Michael? What space are we leaving them? I mean, I think, I think, I think. Where, I mean, what space do you take up now, Mike? In his I'm, household, no, not very much. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's shrinking around me day by day. Even his dog is a, a woman. I have a, I have a little corner to do myself. Do you feel right like we're taking your space? I did, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be left alone, actually. <laughs> Words I never think, like, no, Nobody's ever gonna uh, seriously though. Nobody's ever gonna make a movie like this again. Like the, this, this movie is itself a relic. And I wonder, like, are are are? I mean, I'm sure there are male boarding schools that present as as what, totally white. They've got to be out there. Well, in New England, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, I'm sure. They, I, I'm the, sure they have DEI initiatives. There's like a couple people at this. <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. I, but yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I I do feel like this world is absolutely. A relic and and as such it's really it's not relatable it's not relatable to me yeah as, as a white guy yeah the ideas are what I think I get drawn to you know like I like Keating but I will say the last topic I wanted to bring up is the topic of death which is like a very like it's introduced immediately by Keating like he's like look at these alums they're dead like <laughs> you only get one life Neil kills himself because he can't be free like everything that Keating's talking about like you know make your lives extraordinary is always under the specter that like you're gonna die Yes. Yeah. I, I 100% relate to that. And I think that, again, I have so many questions about this film and like the way that I see the world as I grew up because I've always been obsessed with death. Everyone knows about this, you know? And I always say that to people. It's like sometimes, sometimes I just, I'll just be like, if I don't, if I don't kiss my husband today, who knows what'll happen the rest of the day? Like, like those magical last thinking. Yeah. Like his last memory of me is going to be like, Hey, don't forget to put out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> like a sweet kiss before I leave for work. And um, I think about it all the time. And I think I'm extremely me motivated by the, my impending death. And as I get older, I keep feeling it like just kind of creeping on my shoulders, mm -hmm. which makes me really sad that I don't think that much anymore about the world with like wide eyes, like yeah. without like how I've shut certain things down that are not possibilities for me anymore because of that. Um like what? Because of, because of my experience and because of my fear. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would say like when we talk about our creative life, you know, like the whole thing with when I did the TikToks and mm -hmm. I was having so much fun and I had a great time and it was going really, really well. And then the moment I got one criticism, I was like done. Yeah. Like I just shut it down. And now I spend a lot of time watching TikTok and thinking about like how I, w I want to do it again. But like that magic now has been mm -hmm. taken away from me. Mm -hmm. So... I think that applies to a lot of my creative life, right? I mean, like we talk about sometimes 
I've talked to you about doing YouTube channels. I mean, you and I have been creative partners now for a couple of years. And um, there's like certain things that just like, instead of just trying them out and doing it, like I did with the roller derby, which was like, hey, fuck it, let's just try to do this roller derby thing and see what happens. Um, I'm too scared to like fully embrace it. Yeah. The way that I, that I did before. Yeah. I, there, I mean, there was something about the suicide in the movie that is that kind of, I, I don't really know what to think about it either, but it is, it does fall into that, that whole cliche about, um, you know, like the, uh, you know, Neil, his name was, right? Yeah. What goes out on top. He has the performance, as it turns out, of his life. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Have you been storing that <laughs> joke? <laughs> no, no, but he, he uh, you know, he went, he went out on top. I, I have problems with the whole crime scene, the way that was presented. That was wrong. <laughs> um, also, Tuvan Throat singing on the way to the discovery of his body. Very interesting. But he does it, you know, he, he, he gives, gives us great performance and then um, he sees no way forward and he ends it. And that's like, that's like this very, you know, um, seductive idea um, about suicide that I think is like perpetuated forever and and in some ways is probably dangerous yeah for sure it is (laughs) that it that it's like a romantic thing I mean here I think it is supposed to be a thematic device right he's like if I can't be free then I will be dead right that's like the point and to then force the issue with Keating and get him fired and like wrap the story up Nice thing about that though is that Keating uh Keating flipped the uh the Latin teacher. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I can we go back to this whole thing about like I think it's really so far as romantic romanticization of like suicide and grief. Um this show is uh, this movie's obviously geared toward teenagers, right? It's it's supposed to be like optimistic and it's also like devastating at the same time. And one of the things that I find uh striking about it is this idea that even when I was that age and I watched that scene with Neil, like how much I felt for him and how I was like, oh, I feel that way too. I'm so trapped in my own life. Like, did you, as a as a young person, con- and considered suicide? Did you, I know that you had a lot of depression then, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I was, like, I was ever, I think like I thought about it like most teenagers do. Like I thought, it, I mean, yeah. Now that I'm now that you think about it, I, it did like that idea as a teenager. It can be seductive. Yeah, it's an like, interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Of course, I thought about it. I think everybody does, don't they? I think as teenagers <laughs> yeah. for sure, because the whole point of being a teen- teenager is that you're trapped, right? Right. Like your parents don't understand you, but you don't know who you are. And like you're talking about how like the problems are so small, but that's also what's beautiful about them, right? right. There's no like 401k mucking shit up. Like you're. <laughs> There's no insurance bill coming later. Right, you're just like, if I'll be an actor or nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> but Mike, how much do you sit around thinking about like your own death and like what you've contributed to the world? God, not at all. I just I like a white guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I. I mean, that's I. Wa- not, Mike, I, that's not true. You always are talking about how much you contribute to the world, and like. <laughs> and, like <laughs> Like Mike's always like, no one reads me. No one cares about me. What no a- matter how how many people tell you that they like like people are like, oh my god, you know Mike Sula? It's like you're. <laughs> no, of course I'm not. Like I'm. I don't disagree with you at all. I'm completely self obsessed. Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I mean, that's also like that's also 
you know, the way I don't think about out of like, oh God, it's all gonna be it's all gonna be over, and I haven't done anything yet. I just I'm like constantly scheming about like what what am I gonna do to get people to pay attention? <laughs> <laughs> like I definitely don't think like I, I don't I'm, I don't think the end is nigh yet, is it? I mean, it's very icy outside, but it is. You know, I think that you know Elizabeth and I have never like actually like talked about death I don't think like this but I think we both have a very similar vibe which is like we better ride our bikes across Ohio like we better do it this year right you know we're like my house is always very picked up this isn't like a humble brag it's I'm just going to give you the behind the scenes which is I always worry like when I leave like what if I die I'm a single parent like someone's going to have to come in here and deal with all this shit so I'm like I need to make sure like the cabinets are clear like there's not it's easy for people I mean it's always sort of there but I'm clean underwear every day yeah 100% Mike does not think about that for me at all by the way (laughs) we get into fights because I'm like I hate your office and I hate everything you own and I've had to like clean out his stuff because he doesn't consider me after his death which may or may not happen soon if he doesn't clean up (laughs) (laughs) those menus that menu situation is out of control did you Mike's face is just befuddled talk about menus (laughs) Mike's face is just totally befuddled I don't know I just think like you know death is such a big theme in this movie and like there's some tie between creativity and death right like you're like we're all trying to say something before we can't say anything before we fertilize daffodils exactly I think it's definitely a a metaphor though for the creative life also I mean I think Mike is always when I watch him work it's always one of those things that comes up for him where he's like all right I've reached a great point and then now what's next yeah of you course know? So that's it's always what kind it of is this, like reoccurring death of like how it starts and then how it dies yeah. and then how you come back and then go back yeah all yeah. right and what if it what if it doesn't what if it just doesn't come back yeah. yeah 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 what if it dies so would you recommend anyone becoming an artist <laughs> 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 that's a real question mike sula yeah yes of course um, I would say prepare yourself for a life of suffering. Correct. <laughs> possible possible death. Yeah. Early death, uh-huh. maybe. Yeah. But yeah, of course. I mean, what else? Seriously, like if if that's if that's your calling and that's your passion, and if you don't follow it, you're gonna you're you're gonna be miserable. And and in that sense, I completely buy into this movie. Yeah. Do you for that, um, re- for that reason? Do you I believe have- that is true and not Hollywood bullshit. Do you ever sit? I've never seen you write any. I found some some writings of Mike from his college days, <laughs> and I nosed through it for sure. But do you ever miss like that kind of writing? Like you're you're always writing about journalism, but not like really. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. But I also I also remember how you know journalism's super di- writing just in general is to me still always will be really fucking hard yes like it's hard no matter what it is applause but writing writing fiction is harder as i recall is harder in a very different way it's just as hard if not harder i think Probably it's all harder. very hard fictional writer mike though wh- where is he now like where where does he live He's what my, is he- i like to think that he and even even before this discussion i like to think fiction major mike is like lurking deep inside and he's maybe will crawl out one day i mean I think if there's a message from this movie, Mike, it's that Mr. Keating is talking to you. Oh, Captain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's telling you, bring it forth, man. That's all that matters, your ideas. <laughs> yeah, it's going ha- to happen. You think so? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So 
let's wrap it up. Ultimately, do you recommend this movie, Mike Sula? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll explain. Yeah, no, yes, I do. I, I, yeah, absolutely. For sure. But why? I do think I do think that that message is uh, stands. You know, I, I do think you need to seize seize the day. Carpe yeah. diem, for sure. I mean, listen, everybody loves a reboot. Let's dead poet society with all gals. You <laughs> yes. know, a diverse group of gals, and I'm here for it. Oh it's my gonna god, be great. Let's write. Let's write that for yeah. sure. Yeah, Hollywood. Call except us. All, instead of doing poems, we'll do all like Nicki Minaj uh, lyrics. Wow, it's a very <laughs> progressive school. I was thinking earlier, all men of color. So I'm sorry. Just men. <laughs> just men. Just boys. We gotta just keep it all. Of keep course it all you that, were. He course. can take it one step, and that's as far as he can go. <laughs> a real feminist over oh there. Oh my god. All right. Thanks, Mike, for being here. Mike, where can our listeners find you? I write for the Chicago Wait, Radio. I didn't get asked if I would recommend it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is why you wait until I'm finished. No, <laughs> marriage right happening live in front of us. Uh, I would. Uh, <laughs> I'm giggling so much. Um, I would definitely recommend it uh, for sure. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad we stopped the podcast for that fucking insight. Mike, where can people find you? ChicagoReader.com. <laughs> and you can Google him, and the first thing that comes up is James Beard Award winner, Mike Sula. Chicken of the Trees. If you've never read it, you should look it up online. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Wokefield. Join us next week when we cover Forrest Gump. Oh, my God. Is life like a box of chocolates? That's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to fucking figure it out. I have so many regrets that I didn't invite my friend Coco to this this episode because she does the best Forrest Gump. I can't um, believe you just tacitly insulted my Forrest Gump, <laughs> which is really good. Anyway, follow us on Instagram at Wokefield Pod. Tell us what you think. Is Dead Poets Society inspiring or way too white? And rate and review us on your favorite podcast app because, look, we're old ladies raced by society, and we need just a little bit of validation. We do. Please. We, we need our own Please. Mr. Keating. Tell us we're okay. Oh, Captain. <laughs> 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 <laughs>